And I thought to myself, I'm in a lot of pain, but I just was transported through that story. It took me to a whole new level of excitement because of this little boy that would write on his iPad about things he was experiencing in the other realm that Jesus showed him, and he wasn't taught how to read or write. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor, we've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hello and welcome to Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isburner. And if you're watching on YouTube, we are tethered. We <laughs> are tethered. We have to share a uh, <laughs> sort of an earbud attached it wire. It's ridiculous. Thing imaging. But I don't mind <laughs> being okay, right? this close to you. Is my breath oh, okay? It's Because we're really close. Wow. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> we, are co- we are close. It's good. Today Today's is another one of those. Oh, are you going to go first? No, you go. You go. I was just going <laughs> to say, I, I didn't know exactly what to expect. On today's podcast. With I did. I knew. You know Cheryl. Yes. I, I, this is my first time to really get to know her. And I got to tell you, I, I, I just want to go back and listen again. Now, you're going to hear some things from her story that will help you really persevere when yes. you go through struggles and you're thinking, I just want to throw in the toller. What, what, this seems so unfair. And, and we, where is God? I don't get this. Yeah. And, and we all have struggles. Oh, yeah. So big time. Are you persevering or are you just mm. throwing in the towel? Well, she will encourage you not to throw in the towel and to really know who you are in Christ and to uh, have a leveled up kind of faith that is like, it, it just catches fire. When you well, hear her, oh my goodness. Well, it started in her childhood when yeah. she went through a very difficult time having to accept something that yeah. was hard to accept. And yet through the process, uh, rather than become disillusioned and embittered, she decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press forward. And even though there were consequences of that even later in life that she's still dealing with, yeah. This woman can teach us something about the three things that kind of keeps her anchored, and that is how to live in God's love, how to abide in his presence, and how to live in faith as an extension of Christ in you. And that might sound a little bit big, but I'm telling you, she'll break it down and make it practical. Yes, and wait till you hear her health perseverance, too. Oh, my word. Like, I don't get it. How could she... Awesome. You're going to love this episode. Okay. So Cheryl, Cheryl Ricker is our guest and she's native to Canada, but she's now a U.S. citizen after marrying her American sweetheart at Bible college. Uh, they currently reside, uh, in Rochester, Minnesota with their adult sons, where she serves at her local church, loving on millennials, giving pre-marriage counseling and coaching. Now Cheryl is a ghostwriter. She's an author of seven different books, including 60 different devotionals inside the masterpiece edition of the of the Passion Translation, mm. right? The Passion Translation Bible. She's a speaker. She's a poet. In case you didn't know it. Yeah, no. She's it's a poet. I had to. Please. Okay, sorry. Um, By the way, what? being a poet. I'm in the middle of her bio. I understand, but okay, she's going to share a story about how <laughs> the, how the poets are the poet. I know, but it's really <laughs> cool. It kind of covered. Okay. It's she fun. is a watercolor artist, literary agent, screenwriter, manager. And most importantly, a full-time worshiper and lover of Jesus and his life-changing presence. And she's for real. Yeah. So, Cheryl. Enjoy. All right. Welcome to your biggest breakthrough, Cheryl. We are so excited to have you on. Oh, my goodness. With all of your list within your bio, these gifts that God has given you, what an honor to serve him in these ways. 
He's so good. That's all I can say. I'm just stepping into a wave of his grace. You are faithful in the way that you're using your gifts, and we appreciate that. And thanks for taking time today because you've got so much going on in your life that I think can benefit our listeners. And I wanted to get to the core of something because in a lot of your writings, you oftentimes you deal with difficult topics like grief and pain and loss and rejection and struggle. Yeah. And so you really know something about this. It's just not a topic that you pull out of thin air. You write about these things yeah. because you've got some experience in these areas. But while you're writing on those things, how do you balance enough hope and inspiration when you still have to acknowledge the pain and the struggle people go through? Because it's a real balance yeah. in that. It's true. And when I started writing on these topics, I hadn't been through as much physical pain as I was the more that I progressed into it. So I really did have to learn how to live that out by uh, centering myself in the truth of God's promises and to know that I can trust him when I went through my own health battles. So my first book, A Friend in the Storm, I wrote for a friend of mine who had cancer. And I just met her at the beginning of her cancer battle. And she was in my mobs group. And basically our friendship was all centered around how I could help her and how our group could help her. So I just started bringing her poems of comfort because I'm not so great at cooking casseroles and things like that. So I could pick up some words. So I would bring them over. No, seriously, <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that they've ministered to somebody by bringing them poems poem. of comfort. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So God just put these poems in your heart. You were able to minister in that way. Yeah, he really did. And I didn't ever expect that those same poems would later become my first book. In fact, when I took them to a writer's conference, it was only because they say, bring everything you have. But I really thought I was going to get a children's book published about a skunk that didn't like himself because of his state. Man, that's true. That's a fucking Wait a minute. Wait, are you, you sure that's about a skunk? Have, have you gone I ahead? some people that... <laughs> did you go ahead with that story somewhere? That story is one I've got fully memorized. And when I work with children, I remember I, I acted out the full thing of how Chews doesn't like himself because he has the blues. And then he lifts up his tail and shares with the bear. It's pews, hooray for Chews to save the day. He's has the big bad bear to run away. Like I acted it out, but it's never gone anywhere. And so it's fun. It's funny. It's true. It's about liking ourselves and our not so good parts and seeing God use them. And that's really the way it has been for me with even the words I've picked up for people. I started being very in the area of writing and reading in school. And so for God to call me into that area and use that area to help minister to other people. This girl that used to be in remedial in like her early years for reading and writing. And then he called me to go to university and study it. And then I thought I'd never use it because I got married, had a family. I was just like, oh, this is good. I could just we could be fine on one income. And then that lady with the poems, it really was that. And then after she passed away, the newspaper came into my home. They wanted to know, where did you write these poems? And I didn't have an office even. It was in the bathroom. And I had a little treadmill put beside the toilet. And the newspaper came in with their cameras. And they said, we want to see you at work. So they stepped around the toilet and behind the little curtain. And there I was walking. And they said, read a poem for us. And it was like one of the early ones that I had written for Chantel. Okay. I have a visual. <laughs> That's hilarious. I have to stop for just a moment because Cheryl, this is so, so key. You had no idea that God was going to unfold within you this career that he was shaping in, in writing. It all started because you had a heart for somebody who was hurting and you expressed that comfort through your poems. 
never knowing that God was going to take this and, and just launch this off into a whole career. So I just want to remind people that sometimes just in the simplest of things and reaching out and doing something, you may not understand the full vision of it. Cheryl, you didn't know at that time that you were going to get picked up as an author and away you go. Especially with your past history of with your yes. school being in remedial just, classes. Look what God can do. It's amazing. So when did it start when did it start to become clear to you that God was starting to shape that career path for you? When I was in my last year of high school, I'd moved to a new city because my parents got divorced and they had creative writing as a subject. And they didn't have that in my small town I was in before. And so I actually looked at it this is a bad situation. I'm moving. I'm starting over for my senior year, but there's creative writing and maybe there's something to this. I just wanted to take that. I was already feeling a stir. And then when I had a teacher that believed in me and he wanted to submit one of my poems to a big magazine and be my sponsor, and I won first place and got published, that was such a boost to my confidence that maybe I could actually do this. And that led to me wanting to major in it. Wow. What a beautiful thing. And you said this right here. You said, because a teacher believed in you. And you think of how many people mm. around you or that we are around that if we just show them how much we believe in them, then they could have more courage and step up and have more confidence and really shine their gifts and talents in a beautiful way. So I love that. You have been through several breakthroughs in your life. I want to talk first about, you, you mentioned in high school, your parents went through a divorce. And this was a pivotal time in your life. Let's talk about that a little bit, what happened and how God showed up later through all of this. So my mom had a difficult marriage, my dad and my mom for a while, but most people didn't know it. And when I was younger, I realized that she was in love with the pastor of my church, which is almost embarrassing to talk about or to say. And it's very hard to talk about right now because he just passed away two days ago. So my heart is very raw. But here's the thing. I grew up in that church and I loved him as my pastor. And I was four years old from the time I started there. And he was a very wonderful, loving man. And I knew his family. I went to school with his daughter. She was in one of my classes. And so when my mom, there's a lot to his story, but I'll just say when she finally made the decision that she was going to be with him, I actually felt a whole bunch of emotions, including, can I call him dad? Because I loved him too. I, he had shown me love. And ways that my own earthly father struggled too, even though my own earthly father loves me. And so, and, but they had backslid, obviously. And what I watched in their story was a beautiful story of God's redemptive power and reinstating him back into the pulpit after a time away of just getting himself right with the Lord and how he was able to love on people in this little church out in the country, a Baptist church that nobody wanted to pastor, but because it was mostly just a small group of older people that attended, and yet his heart was still there for pastoring, and he jumped up to the plate, and sometimes I would sing with him, and we would do a duet, or I would come up and share a few words, and I would come home, and he he looked at me like a daughter. So it was bad, but it was good, but it was all of what it is. In the Bible, when you look at the life of David, a man after God's own heart and what happened to him, but also that he got back right with God again. So it was like my story, my mom's story, everything's intertwined. There's definitely consequences. There was definitely hurts and insecurities, 
I don't know if I had more insecurities from certain things with my dad and just his inability to sometimes learn me the way that I need to be affirmed or with what happened and seeing people that I looked up to very highly let me down in a big way. But somehow, yeah, I know that created in me a very big gap of insecurity, which a lot of it came out again when I got married and then when I had kids again, all those things get shaken and stirred to see what's inside of you. And I became aware of these big areas that I needed to really just present to God to find out who I am to God. And all of that good stuff, identity and his love for me, his passion for me, so that I could then love him because it all starts with God's love for us, doesn't it? And if we haven't been led the way we're supposed to in some ways, because people just don't have all that they need to give us too, it just goes on generationally. That's not a snap of the finger decision. I know there are some people who are hearing this story and saying, wow, she must have gone through a period of real like disillusionment or was she ever bitter? Because yeah, she was I mean, here's a pastor that she loved and <clears throat> yet it leads to divorce and now her earthly father's out of the picture. It would get so tangled up. How did she get through that? And to hear the way you speak about it, obviously you had to learn something about the true meaning of unconditional love and God's grace. But was there anything in particular you were able to do pulling from God the strength or the resources you needed to get through that? Because that could have devastated you and turned you in a whole different direction. Yeah. I was going to say those childhood ones yeah. did take on and were brought into your marriage. But yeah, let's tackle that question. I guess I didn't even have permission to know that it bothered me at the time that it bothered me because I was so doing my life and nobody kind of stopped and pulled me aside and let and said, let's see how Cheryl's doing, that this might actually impact her. And it was more like, she's smiling, she's okay, she's resilient, she's strong. And that attitude was something that I didn't stop to. We push things down deep sometimes, and, and it isn't till later that maybe God says, now's the time to deal with this. And we're like, deal with what? And then he has to show us what? And there's all that down there. Okay, because that came out in the form of insecurity toward my husband, who also came into the marriage with wounds from a very troubled life and background, which I didn't even talk about with you before. So you put two people together with very broken pants and you put them in a marriage where trust is a very important thing and we just didn't have it. And yet we had commitment. We had Jesus. Wow. We had Jesus fighting for yeah. us. We had to learn that Jesus is fighting for us. We are fighting for us. We're not fighting against each other. We were in such bad shambles in our marriage that people didn't think we were going to make it. I, and later on, they told us. And now we're ordained pastors giving pre-marriage counseling to people and officiating a wedding. And I tell them all these things that I've learned. And my husband and I are putting together this neat message that goes back and forth, him sharing and me sharing. And it's all coming from what we've been through, which is basically a state of hopelessness because as much as it depended on us, it was hopeless. But as much as we had the Lord, it's got all the hope in the world. And so I'd say that to anybody listening today with Jesus, there is all the hope in the world for you. And my husband and I are testimonies of that fact because it wasn't easy. It's not a quick snap of the fingers. We did go to counseling 
we did have to work through a lot of things together patiently and take the time to invest in us. Yeah, Cheryl, I'm glad that you're unpacking this because I think there is probably just about every listener listening going, yeah, you know, I was broken when I came into my marriage or my spouse had some, we're all broken people, right? And we bring it to the table. And so how do you make it work? And it's got to have God in the center, right? And so you have to deal with your own stuff and become whole in him. And that's what you guys are modeling and demonstrating. And it's your perseverance that is so beautiful. And so thank you for being persevering in your marriage, because that is a way to, to model for others that you are ministering to. There's I want to shift gears a little bit because while we thrilled about how you have come out and broke through just some childhood wounds and you and Dwight are doing phenomenal in your marriage, there's just been also some other breakthroughs that you've had to go through, and that would be more health issues, health-related. And I want to bring that up, especially if someone's watching, they may have seen you kind of hold your head up right here a couple times. And I want to talk about maybe a few of the health issues that you've had to overcome or are overcoming right now and getting through. I went through a nightmare and it happened when I was actually writing books about people's miracle stories. I'm a ghost writer and I was writing Russia Heaven, One Woman's Miraculous Encounter with Jesus, the story of Emma McKinley, who was like crippled and deformed and Jesus showed up on Christmas Eve and instantly healed her body to the shock of all the Mayo Clinic doctors, all of her relatives, friends, people that I interviewed left to write. So I was writing that story and I started having neck pain and I thought I was working too hard, which I was, but that's not all it was. I thought when I finished it, it would be fine. I went, jumped right into another book project after I finished writing that one and I wrote Josiah's Fire, Autism. Tawny Cullen. The guy gave him a voice, Tawny Cullen. And I loved that story and I focused in on heaven and because that was a big part of it. And I thought to myself, I'm in a lot of pain, but I just was transported through that story. It took me to a whole new level of excitement because of this little boy that would write on his iPad about things he was experiencing in the other realm that Jesus showed him and he wasn't taught how to read or write. But meanwhile, I was having my own personal journey of involuntary movements that started happening. And here he had his stuff with involuntary movements and he had his like and then there was this stuff that Emma had with her body twisting and I was getting stuff from all the people I was writing for and I was like what in the world is going on and so I started going to chiropractors and the more chiropractors I went to the worse I got chiropractic seemed like the natural thing for me but I realized it's not always one size fits all because most of them are not familiar with what I ended up being diagnosed with the very week that Josiah's fire came out, I got diagnosed with a neurological condition that has to do with the brain not functioning properly at a certain, the basal ganglia. It's called cervical dystonia. And I looked it up on Google and I vomited because I was so freaked out that I had this disease. I saw all these people with their heads twisted right around. And my doctor had told me in the portal what it was that he thought. So I didn't even have a face-to-face explanation. I was camping when I, and I, with my family and I looked at the portal to see what he thought it was. And I thought, that's what it is when he wrote it. And I'm like, it described me. And then it was later confirmed that it was that. So I had to get over that label. I had to get over the horror of it. But most importantly, 
I had to get over just what it did to me and how could I take this disease that they say is incurable and that is a lifelong disease and not believe that, but to believe that God is still my healer, my body was designed to heal, and that I can believe God's promises, trust in His goodness in the midst of my nightmare, which was a nightmare because I got so bad with this. The more chiropractors I went to, I'd walk out of them more twisted than ever. And I'd go to ones that did more severe treatments and the more severe treatments, the more twisted I got. And it was like thousands of dollars, thousands of attempts on things. Like I, And then I thought, oh my goodness, my ligaments are shot from all this twisting, pulling, stretching, yanking that I went through. Literally, one doctor had tied me up to a table and taken my neck and pulled, as I said, hot and literally pulled it. And I got sick after that too, because it was my, in shock to my already shocked nervous system. And so then some other ones said, oh, your ligaments have been torn and stretched and you need to have PRP, like, you know, where they inject the, so I went and I did that, but that my body reacted negatively to that. And I got worse. Everything I tried, I went to a brain doctors in the cities. I went to functional medicine doctors in the cities. I would just try about anything. And I felt by the time I was doing the Botox injections through the Mayo Clinic, which is their number one first treatment, my head was literally doing circles. And the Mayo said, we cannot do this anymore. It's not even helping this girl. So circle, imagine my head nonstop circling. I have videos and it, your head was doing that and you're used to running and doing and being creative and having all these gifts that you're using. The natural thing is to think, okay, God, this we know this isn't from you, but why did you allow this? And what kind of a joke is this that I can't even sit, stand, or eat? I went to under 100 pounds because I couldn't do this movement to eat so much. I'd lay flat on my back. My husband would put a plate on my stomach and I would try to eat like this to get the food down. That's what it, we're talking about. And to learn to walk again. I couldn't even walk. like, And so I didn't know if I ever would be again. I just didn't know. When you think you're that crippled like for the rest of your life, you have All I could do for a while is just listen to praise and worship and praise the Lord because I knew that I had to draw back into the faith I've been taught, which is to say that Jesus still loves me. I can still trust him. And even with everything stripped away in my life, which is what it was at the time, like it felt like I still had some things, but I wasn't Joe, but it was felt pretty close (laughs) to me and so then I, he was still who he said he was i am still who he says he am i'm still valuable even if i cannot write books anymore even if i cannot do x y and z i'm still me his created daughter and so thankfully i can do a lot more again i'm still limited from what i was before but i'm telling you i'm believing for 100 percent. i'm believing the report of the great physician and not the report of the doctors and because they would say that I'm a miracle, like to, yes, you are your own miracle. What else, what else is a miracle is your, <laughs> you've got like the stubbornness of a pit bull. <laughs> you don't give up. And I think all of us, it is, all of us really need to just understand what it means to really, truly persevere and not give up. And to rise up in that kind of faith. And it's not an easy decision to make unless it's never an easy decision to make. But the way to keep persevering from what we're hearing from your story, Cheryl, is you have to be, even be your own encourager by going back to the truth of who God is. And you mentioned something in your notes to us about how you found wholeness and confidence in Christ and that it comes from learning to live in love, to abide in the vine, and then live in faith. And 
easier said than done, but give us some practical ways that we can do that when we're going through our own challenge and we're trying to persevere, like we're ready to throw in the towel. Even in the Psalms, it talks about encouraging yourself in the Lord. And to me, that just means telling your soul that God loves you. Like he runs you so passionately. And there's some scriptures that are good ones to go to, even in the Song of Psalms, to look at when Jesus is there's parallels between what God says about us and the sound of songs. Like I have one that I was looking at here that just really talks about what it's like, what Jesus feels about us. This one's from chapter six of Song of Songs. Imagine God saying this to you, okay? He says, Oh, my beloved, you are lovely. When I see you in your beauty, I see a radiant city where we will dwell as one. More pleasing than any pleasure, more delightful than any delight. You have ravished my heart. And that's just a little taste. I could keep reading. I would. Yes, I would. yes. I love that. For, you should keep reading because I love if, it. If you're listening and you're not watching, if you go to the YouTube version, you will see this beautiful, shining smile. Radiating. You're just yes. like, you're like beaming. And it's evidence of the ways in which you encourage yourself through God's word. And Cheryl is not just an encourager of herself. I know you. You're one of my prayer partners. She is an all-out encourager, period. But the way you encourage is a gift. It is such a gift. And you are a prayer warrior, and your faith is to another level. And so I know God is honoring that and because he's getting the glory in your story and all of it. It is. Every good thing that is in me or in any of us comes from him, and we can't even take credit for it because It's the faith of God, which means it comes from God. And it's the peace of God, which transcends understanding that guards our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So it's not a peace that any man or human can fabricate, but a supernatural peace. Because anything that I went through would not warrant natural peace. That as my circumstances were flipped upside down and twisted around, literally. And so I had to say that I needed supernatural on top of anything natural to to stomp out my own fleshly natural response, which was to be in a, in a panic mode and to be not that way. But honestly, I think my husband was afraid that I hadn't had a good cry or meltdown or anything after this happened. I was, I don't know if it's because I was too stunned. I felt sick to my stomach, but I think that the Lord gave me a special grace and a special sense of his presence that I needed to know his love. And my husband was also amazing because he loved me when I was really dependent on him for everything. Can you imagine if you could not do laundry, clean the house, go shopping, do any of the things you do? And your husband is all of a sudden your caregiver for everything, plus working full time. So my husband rose up to the top on that one. And and sickness and health. (laughs) Sickness and health. And when we've both had different health battles at different times where we've been tested to be there for each other, he's had stuff with his heart and he's had other stuff along the way, just even in the recent years. For you, just, but it's God and it's commitment to God. It's the staying power of Jesus Christ who never gives up on us. So we shouldn't give up on us or on each other. But mm, thank you amen. for this kind word. Abiding in the vine is how you bear those the fruit, the fruit of the spirit. We love to talk about love, joy, peace, patience, being a kind of general spirit for self-control. So just by abiding and the vine means I know my position in Christ. I know that he waters my soul through his word 
and that I draw near to him and he draws near to me and that I don't have to try. A fruit on a vine doesn't go, I need more than this and this. It just simply rests peacefully knowing the position that it's in and the connection it's into the vine. So that's good news. Because for all of our effort, it's almost like that salvation. It's hard to receive a free gift, but we want to try to buy works to do it. It's like with the vine, it's like, just remain like a good piece of fruit on that vine and watch God will prune you and make you ripe and ready to be what you need. That's right. That's right. This is so good. good. This is so good. Listen, I'm a real practical guy. And there's this one thing that- Isn't type A. Yeah. So with- Yeah, because when you have to persevere, it's just one thing to say, okay, I'm going to persevere. It's a whole other thing to actually do the work. And when we do the work, it seems like God releases more grace and power to sustain us and to help us go forward. So you did a great job talking about what it really means to live in love. And I can't stress that enough. We've got to really get to that place of understanding how much God loves us. And then you're talking about abiding in the vine. That's that constant daily, not just awareness of God's presence. And that's so helpful. And then you also mentioned about living in faith as an extension of Christ. Just comment on that for us. Living in faith as an extension of Christ. Yes, the daily um, being trusting in him and, and knowing how much our trust is of value to him. Like it's without faith, it's impossible to please God. And those who seek him. We must believe he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We must believe that as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Like it's the whole idea of believing that he just wants us to be that child that sits on his lap and he's very pleased at that childlike heart that will come to him openly and say, what now, daddy? I just know you love me and want to be with me and delight in me. And Here you take me, even in my imperfection, even in my, sometimes like we just feel like the enemy tries to make us feel unworthy because this world throws these things at us. And sometimes, and I wasn't planning to say this, but sometimes when the enemy tries to put a temptation in our head or something like that, we will think, oh my goodness, and we'll take that on like it's ours. And we have to realize that's not my thought. It's from the enemy. And what is God's thought? God's thought that he's made me more than a conqueror and that he's washed me clean by the blood of the lamb. And I can come to form with confidence and my confidence he will not despise. In fact, he rewards our confidence. And our confidence is a testimony to the world that something's different about us because it's not natural to have that, especially going through trials or going through these days and times that we live in. You know, that there has to be something behind this girl's confidence or this guy's confidence. And it's Jesus that we just get on his lap and have the faith of a child that says, thank you for loving me and I love you back. That is exactly what you just share. You exude Jesus's love. You exude this childlike faith that is so contagious. And I know that when we have our conversations or we usually walk and talk, don't we walk, talk, pray? And I love those moments. They're so precious. And it's we encourage one another. And I think there's something to be said about that, too, how it's so important to have those people in your world to encourage you and also lift you up in the faith. And you do that for me. You help lift my faith to a whole other level. So praise God. It is creating a ripple effect in all that. So thank you for serving in the way that you do. I want to thank you because you did that for me, too. And it's not every day that I can talk to somebody on a, a, a very 
feels like a level heart to heart, spirit to spirit, where I can just see that faith in you as you believe God for him to move mountains in your life. We're just putting our faith together. And God loves when we do that and pray for each other. Unity. It's good to Amen. have you're like you're I'm telling you a real blessing, but I see those things in you too, Wendy. So thanks well, for being here. Thank you. We appreciate your time and being on this podcast and just sharing your breakthrough stories and how God is is the redeemer and he restores and he heals. And so thank you for being that example and sharing and unpacking just a few breakthroughs in your own life that has elevated your faith and has helped others elevate theirs. Thanks so. for being the pit bull. Don't stop. <laughs> just keep persevering. <laughs> so bless you. And thank you for being on your biggest breakthrough. Thanks, Cheryl. Thank Thanks. you for having me. God bless yes, you guys God and bless all of you. your listeners too. Okay, thought we'd come back on real quick to remind you to subscribe and follow mm. this podcast if you haven't already and to share this episode because, man, I was blessed. I don't know if you were or not, but man, my faith level has gone to the next level. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take that much to do it, really. And I wish we had a visual here. And for those of you who are on YouTube, we could just show you well, where I, do you go to subscribe. Maybe you can do, how do, you how do that. Are you an editor? Can you do that? <laughs> I just, do, just take a look. No, just take a look at what at platform your you're listening to. And somewhere on there, you're going to be able to hit a subscribe or a like or a follow. Yeah. Would you do that? It would mean a lot to us yes. and a lot of others who haven't yet heard the show. And that's why I would ask you to share it as well. Yes, and share this particular podcast because Cheryl's breakthroughs are just mind-blowing. And her perseverance is contagious and so is her faith level. And if you are in need of some yeah. additional help, please let yeah. us know. Just You can email me directly, toddisburner.com or... Me, Wendy, at wendypet.com. And we look forward to hearing from you in whatever way that we can help you, whether it's through Faith Family Fitness Finances or through my health and wellness program. But whatever you're looking for, hey, we got the answer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we don't. But, <laughs> but there, you also may have somebody in mind that you think would be yeah. a great guest who could share a life-changing oh, yeah. transformation with a breakthrough. And maybe that's you. So get a hold of us, Todd at toddisburner.com. Yep, or Wendy at wendypet.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment and we would love to dialogue with you there. So thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.